Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. It seems like everyone went out and got a pet during that time. We hold them until, you know, they're able to find place. And that's our max capacity. We can house about 50 animals. Our shelter can only handle about 80. But then we might have 200 in foster homes. A lot of them are in offices. There's about 60 to 70 in crates, pop-up crates. Mm -hmm. And these animals are staying there for at least 23 hours in the crate. At least 23? Yes. 23 straight? Yes. Okay. The status of animal rescues in the St. Louis region and across the country has reached an unprecedented level of crisis. Shelters report that the overcrowding they've experienced this year is the worst they've ever seen. And the number of stray dogs and cats on the streets continues to grow. So what's going on and what can be done about it? Today, we have two guests in studio to talk with us about those drivers and solutions. First, we have Wang Horak, founder and CEO of the Center for Animal Rescue and Enrichment of St. Louis, also known as Care STL. Wang, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We also have Alicia Vianello, who is the executive director of Gateway Pet Guardians in East St. Louis. Welcome to you, Alicia. Hi, thanks for having me as well. Okay, so glad to have you both here today. Now, Wang, how would you characterize this moment in time? Well, this is really um, so hard for us as a rescue organization, as a shelter, because it's really tough um, in terms of a lot of animals are picked up on the street of Mm -hmm. St. Louis. So... Our staff are so burnt out. We have a lot of volunteers who are also burnt out. And they see every day, you know, three, four trucks lined up to drop off animals in our shelter. Okay. So this is not just about pets, but also the human impact as well. And Alicia, how about you? What, what would you say is happening in this moment? Um, pets and people are really struggling. Um, the same thing where we're seeing our shelter constantly full. Um, pets are having to be left on the street when we don't have room. And people are really struggling, too. The cost of pet food is rising rapidly. Housing is a huge issue. Um, and when people are struggling, pets struggle, too. Right. So, Alicia, tell me a little bit about how overcrowding is affecting Gateway Pet Guardians. Um, So we're having to pop up crates to house dogs for the first time ever. As you can imagine, crates are really small and it's, it's hard for dogs to stay in them. We're seeing our length of stay, so how long they're in our shelter, how long it takes them to get adopted is rising rapidly. Um, it's, we're seeing our adoptions decrease. This is the first year that I've seen our adoptions decrease in our history. So Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been really tough on, on the animals trying to find homes. Yeah. So when you say over, I mean, we're talking about overcrowding, how many animals is that? And how many of them are in crates, for example? Um, Currently, we don't have too many in crates. We can house about 50 animals in our facility, but then we can house unlimited numbers in foster homes. Mm -hmm. So right now we have, say, probably about 50 pets in our shelter, and that's our max capacity, but then we might have 
200 in foster homes. And then if we can get more foster homes, then we're able to help more pets or not have to keep them in crates. Okay. Now, Wang, in your facility, there's overcrowding and, and more there, especially as a shelter that works with the city of St. Louis's animal control. Tell us about that. Yes, right now, so our shelter can only handle about 80 um, animals. And as of today, I have about 222. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of them are in offices. There's about 60 to 70 in crates, pop-up crates. Mm -hmm. And these animals are staying there for at least 23 hours in the crate. At least 23? Yes. 23 straight? 10, yes. Okay. Now, the conditions that are creating um, or or driving the current overcrowding, because this is not a problem that has popped up all of a sudden. This is something that has existed for some time. What are the conditions that are creating what you're seeing right now in this moment where shelters like yours are being overwhelmed, um, particularly with more owner surrenders? Alicia? Yeah, so... When COVID first hit, it was actually really good for animals because people were home, so then they wanted pets. So then it seems like everyone went out and got a pet during that time. They got them from breeders, from shelters. It was all all great. Well, now um, the eviction moratorium has ended. Um, people are having to pay back their student loans that they didn't have to pay for a while. We talked about pet food increasing. Uh, there's a veterinary shortage in the United States, and vet care is really expensive. So... You're seeing a lot of people who got pets who now are in such a hard financial spot to be able to keep them. Um, in addition, spay and neuter didn't happen for a while when the pandemic first started. So it's just this monster effect that has all come together now that is creating so much problems for pet owners who find themselves in a tough spot where they can't keep their pet anymore. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that Alicia has not mentioned that, Wang, you have observed too? It's basically that's it. There's a lot of owner, you know, being being evicted right now. Mm -hmm. And that's actually some of the increases of our animals at the shelter, as well as... um, surrenders there's really a lot of surrenders where owners cannot afford to vet care as well as um pet food for their pets yeah well we have some understanding of that i mean what you're describing when it just reminds me of um a scene from earlier this week just outside city hall Right when St. Louis officials they cleared a a tent encampment there and urged people to relocate to area shelters, but there were several of those who were part of that encampment um, who said that they struggled to find shelters that allow pets. And our photojournalist here at St. Louis Public Radio um, and digital editor Brian Munoz, he spoke with a married couple who had to leave two of their dogs behind in order to be admitted to a shelter. And another woman Brian spoke with named Kathleen Cash, she was leaving with her two chihuahuas. Um, and the, there, it was a non-negotiable situation. She was not going to leave them behind. And the last that Brian saw of her, she was wheeling the dogs, um, Isabel and Bubba, um, away in a small wagon. I mean, the extent to which this is happening now, has it been a problem before? And how much worse is it at this point in time? 
It's when? really worse at this time. And you mentioned about uh, the situation. We have those dogs at the shelter right now. Oh, those two yes, dogs? Yes. Oh. I got a phone call from our animal control officer about it, and they really cannot go to the shelter with the people. And so what we do is we hold them until, you know, they're able to find place for them to move. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard. It's a lot of families coming in. I have a situation where a car pulled in in our parking lot and there's three kids and a mom and then there's two cats in there okay and they were crying because they don't have a place to go and they have two cats that they need to surrender yeah so we we told them you know what we can keep your cats until you can find a home for them okay and how often are people actually able to come back for their pets well believe it or not they are they come back we give them maximum of 90 days to be able to you know put their life together and yeah. they, they, they do come back for their pets okay I mean it must be really tough as a sheltered leader to know that you know stopping overcrowding at the source it requires really broad economic change right. on a massive scale in the region not only here in St. Louis right over in um, in Illinois as well. So it's not as simple as you know, just spay and neuter more cats right. and dogs and it's going to take care of it, right? Right. And if you look at the housing market, lack of affordable housing is a huge issue. And then you look at affordable housing that allows dogs over 30 pounds, multiple pets, pit bulls, rottweilers. There's so many breed bands and things that it's it's really not simple. It's it's so heartbreaking when when individuals have to give up their pet or or have to be separated from their pet, and mm-hmm. it's it's something that's going to be a community wide effort to get past. Yeah. So one of the issues also, you do not have room in your facilities, so people are releasing their their pets. Um, you know, there is a, a way that. Folks who are doing that are villainized. You know, how do you see those decisions? We really try to come at it with compassion and without judgment because if you go to a shelter and say, oh, I need to surrender my pet, they might say, oh, well, there's a three to six month wait list, but you're getting evicted tomorrow. So you have to come up with a plan and people get desperate. And I know it's very rare that anyone would truly want to dump a pet, but it's truly there at the end of their rope. And they know, well, if I leave it tied to the fence, at least I know it'll be safe. So even though it's it's sad when we see a dog or cat dropped off at our front door, tied up or put in a cage, we know that they trusted us to take care of it. And, and we just wish we could talk to them and figure out, are there any resources we could have given you to keep your pet? Mm-hmm. This is actually now reminding me of um, a period during the pandemic. I live in a, a subdivision, and along the way, there was a, a crate with a cat in there, and we saw a woman who was actually returning yeah. on a pretty regular basis, but leaving the cat there. I mean, Wang, are you familiar with situations in which pet owners have done that because they don't have recourse otherwise they do and also um we have found um people who are leaving animals outside of our shelters they either tie them to our door Mm -hmm. or yes yeah or um sometimes we will find it in our play yard 
a loose dog in our play yard. But okay. you know what? Um, sometimes they will leave a letter about, you know, why they are leaving the animals with us. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I wish people know that there are resources available for them, especially at the city, because in the city we are, pl- you know, we wanted to help them with um, at least holding their pets for a while or at least provide them medication if the only problem is about vet care for their pets. Mm-hmm. Our vet, We have a vet clinic on site who's willing to help on that. We also have like pet food for the animals who needs it so they can keep their pets at home. Okay. And, and in case there's really no option for them, we, we still take them. Yeah. So both Care STL and Gateway Pet Guardians have food pantries and you offer some of these pet supplies that you've been talking about yes. um, to those who are struggling to make ends meet. I mean, is this also a more cost-effective me- method for shelters you know, to, to pay people to keep their pets, Alicia? Yeah, I, I absolutely believe so. Because if you think if we intake a pet, we're going to have to pay for all of that anyway. So why not keep them with their owner that keeps a shelter space free and it keeps them with the person who loves them? So... We have an affordable pet supply store that's open to anyone. We have affordable grooming that's open to anyone, vaccine clinics, medical clinics, uh, spay and neuter program, pet food pantry. We have all sorts of options in our service areas for pet owners. And how aware are people that these things exist? Well, in our case, you know, people call us all the time. Um, I would say that at least, you know, 500 people come into the building every month and there's so many questions about services that we can offer to. We're going to take a very quick break here. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. Let's return to our conversation about serious overcrowding at area pet shelters. Wang, what is it like to have so many animals in the shelter and then particularly for animals to be living in crates, um, as you said, for up to like 23 hours straight? Yes, 23 hours in the crate. It is really hard. It is... Um, in the past, when we, you know, clean the shelter, we are done like at noon. Right now, we're almost done at four o'clock, because um, having to clean all those dogs in crates are really hard. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it is really hard for the staff to come in, and they have to deal with at least 150 animals in one building. And we have two buildings that we have house all these animals. Mm-hmm. So. It is frustrating for staff, especially when while you are doing the shift, then you see more people are dropping off animals at the building. Yeah. So it is hard for them. Um, Some of them are so burned out Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, Alicia, with what you're seeing and how how you have to manage that. I mean, how is it that your staff and then volunteers who are coming in, how do they maintain quality of life for the animals in your care, much less for themselves? Uh, we are lucky to have a really great volunteer base who helps us. We try to provide, if we don't have time to walk every dog so many times a day, at least give them some enrichment if they can't get out. 
say for their third out of the day. Um, we really try to do things to bring, to, you know, to raise their spirits. Um, for our staff, we really try to focus on the positive. When I ask them, like, how do they keep from getting burned out and, and why do they stay? They talk so much about seeing the animals that they helped, like seeing a, a shy favorite shelter dog get adopted mm-hmm. or seeing the, the owners that we get to help and seeing how grateful people are for our help. Um, we also have strict boundaries. So when you're on paid time off, you don't check your email, you don't check your phone, we uh-huh. don't bother you. Um, we really try to set some boundaries so that you can enjoy your time away from work to be able to be rejuvenated to come back. Right, to be recharged. Wang, are you also um, taking the same measures? Is there anything yes. a little bit different that you've done? Yeah, tell us about Yes, that. we do that too. Um, what we do is we try to tell our staff that, yeah, when you are not on schedule, don't even worry about looking at, you know, group discussion that we have at the shelter because we are open 24 hours for our own call with animal control officers. Mm-hmm. We try as much as possible to avoid uh, being on the lookout of what's going on at the shelter. We did have, we do have our weekly, like you know, meeting with our management staff as well as pop meeting with our staff at the shelter to kind of talk about what is the good thing, what makes you feel better to mm-hmm. be coming in again the next day. And it was really tough because sometimes they will talk about you know, animals that we lost, you know, because they are very sick or super injured. And we all cry together, all those kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, we try as much as possible to be very uh, supportive of what is going on with them. Mm -hmm. Now, both of you have actually come to animal rescue um, centered leadership from business administration or, or corporate context or environments, what was it that brought you to this work, Alicia? It was really just my love for animals. I've, I've always loved animals, and I wanted, I've, I'm a human resources professional by, by trade and education, so I wanted to find a way to combine those skills with working with animals, and it just kind of aligned beautifully. Mm-hmm. And Wang, in your case, I mean, you came from Stray Rescue, right? That's correct. Yeah, so, I mean, starting your own thing, how did that come about? Yes, I was really exposed. Um, you know, I was coming from a corporate world as a, you know, CFO, and then um, my husband surprised me for with a dog coming from Stray Rescue, and that's it. So when I was at Stray Rescue at the time, I used to work with the city of St. Louis Department of Health about the an, what's going on in the animal shelter for the city. And that's what led me to put together Care STL because I created this organization just for the city of St. Louis animals. Mm-hmm. I do not pull animals, animals from other outside the jurisdiction of the city of St. Louis. Okay. And this is purely just for, uh, I am serving purely the residents of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as big picture goes, you both are seeing it at the, at the macro level, right? What are some of the, the structural solutions that could help you, you know, especially if you continue to see this high influx um, of animals coming into your shelter, Wang? Yeah, um, I am actually currently working with the city leadership in terms of moving into a bigger facility. And we're working about 
um, having to use the workhouse right, right. as an option for us. Right now, the city shelter has about 8,500 square feet. And, you know, as you know, the workhouse has about 240 square feet of um, facilities. So we are working on that. We are on the second stage in, in terms of communicating and discussing with the committee that the mayor assigned to look after the study of uh, a feasibility study if we can use the workhouse or not. Mm-hmm. There are some things that people can do um, sort of at the everyday level. Alicia, what are some of the things that folks who are not you know, in charge of shelters like you or making sort of structural level changes can do to help overcrowded shelters? Can, can you give yeah. like a, a couple of? Yeah, um, fostering is incredibly helpful. I know both of our organizations have foster programs that that way you free up a kennel so that another dog or cat has a space to come in and they don't have to live in a crate. Um, volunteering to walk dogs, take care of cats, do laundry, donating. Um, there's never enough funding in, in the animal welfare industry. And then working with you know, other, you know, foundations, you spoke about the shelters not always taking for shelters for people taking pets, and really getting the community to understand that pets are part of the family. So when we look at people experiencing trauma or going through things, there needs to be solutions that they can keep their pets. Okay, so this is, that's the big picture (laughs) connected to the little picture. When, in your case, a couple of things people can do. Yeah, similar to um, Alicia, we need fosters. You know, um, that is the best way. We provide everything to our foster families. And also we ask that people come to the shelter for a straycation. They oh. can take the dog for a day or for two days, a maximum of three days. And, you know, so that we can know the personality of the dog on how they behave in a home. Oh, okay. So we need that. And, of course, volunteers. Volunteers. We have an amazing, amazing volunteers right now who come into the shelter, clean, you know, walk dogs, enrichment, all the stuff. But we need more. Mm-hmm. We need more. So just to kind of put a bow on the foster part, because mm-hmm. that is something you both have mentioned. Who is it that should consider fostering a dog or a cat? And what does it absolutely require, Alicia? Um, Anyone. Um, If you are over the age of 18 and you can take home a foster pet, so you could be a college student, it could be a family, you could have other pets. Uh, We do test the pets to see if they're good with other dogs or other cats. Um, We provide everything. So there is no cost to the foster family. It's just your time and, and a space for them. Uh, we give food, veterinary care, supplies, everything. Um, so it's very easy and it, it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And is there sort of one last word that you would give to encourage people to foster in particular? Yeah, that's it. You know, similar to what Alicia said. And I think, and you know what? It's so fulfilling when you see your foster get adopted. Wang Horak is founder and CEO of the Center for Animal Rescue and Enrichment of St. Louis, also known as Care STL, and Alicia Vianello is executive director of Gateway Pet Guardians in East St. Louis. Alicia and Wang, thank you for joining us today, and good luck with your events and your work. Thank, thank you. you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. 
St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.